everyone. Excuse my coughing still. Um, just a brief talk tonight. <clears throat> but um, over the Sarsenkine, I think the last Tuesday, um, the themes of my talk have been around um, intimacy. We often think of intimacy as <coughs> the experience between um, two people, particularly two people in a in a relationship. Um, and what I was emphasising last week is that Zen practice is about um, developing an intimacy with all of life, you know, nature, the sky, the moon, etc. And that um, if our if our experience is too over-focused on human intimacy, there's something too limited and restricted about that. <clears throat> And we miss that sort of wider kind of intimacy that we have with life as a whole. Even with death, you know, everything, the passing away of things, transience, nature. And it's like a breath of fresh air to um, experience solitariness at times in our life. And, you know, allow that, that intimacy with the whole of life to be experienced in that solitude. As well as being able to be in, in human intimacy as well. And not to avoid, avoid either, not, not to escape human intimacy into solitude um, <clears throat> or, you know, escape um, solitude into human contact all the time, but be able to move freely between the two without any fear. But there's an, also an, another dimension to this as well, <clears throat> which is to do with just um, being intimate with one's, oneself, really and being intimate with ordinariness. And there was a, an essay which I wrote, uh, which I read um, many years ago, which is in one of John Wilwood's books about intimacy and relationships and various types of intimacy. And this, this particular essay really took my attention. <coughs> and it was called Stirring the Oatmeal. And basically what it was saying is that people like in a family or a couple or friends could be doing a very kind of ordinary everyday activity like stirring the oatmeal. Right? So just people pottering around the kitchen getting the breakfast ready and the tea ready and putting the things on the table. And there may not necessarily be a lot being said and yet there, is, there can be a, a very deep sense of intimacy in that kind of experience. Like it's just very ordinary. There's nothing exalted about it. There's no big sort of high coming out of it. And yet it's, there's a kind of a, a joyful simplicity and the sharing of joyful, joyful simplicity that doesn't necessarily need a lot of words um, that actually bring people into a sense of closeness. And <clears throat> it, it, is the kind of, it is the kind of closeness that you experience um, from my, my brief experience of being in a um, Zen monastic kind of situation. You know, people just go through their routine and they sit together and eat together and um, weed the garden together, etc. And there's a kind of intimacy in a retreat or on a session that we do kind of grows too. People aren't talking to one another, not looking in each other's eyes, but you sit next to someone during the session and you feel like you, they're your brother or your sister. You haven't said two words to them. And you just join in activities together. 
But there's also, for us to be capable of um, intimacy with another, you know, or intimacy with life in that more holistic kind of way, it also involves a kind of inner intimacy with our own experience. And every time we actually meditate, there is an opportunity to have that, that intimacy with our own experience. You may have heard me say it <clears throat> many times during session, but the word session translates as touching the heart-mind. Touching the heart-mind. That touching the heart-mind, in other words, is an act of intimacy. Yeah. <clears throat> and that inner experience, it's really, it's really in a sense the whole point of meditation is to experience that inner inner intimacy and that outer intimacy together. So inner intimacy is not being in your mind hovering above your body or having an aversion to anything that's happening in your experience or clinging to a story. It's just that willingness to be vulnerable and open to each passing experience that's you. Right? That's just your experience moment to moment. And to not, not have a hair's breadth of separation between you and that experience, whether it's an emotion, even a thought going through your mind, you know, or a body sensation or a perception. You're just there with it. That's what, what's, that's what is there when there's no judgment about the experience. It's the intimacy with the experience. And somehow we need to be able to <clears throat> have that inner connection um, with ourselves and be so settled in ourselves to really um, be present to others as well. And it's often, it's often in the presence of others that we find it difficult to be, be in the here and now really. In so many ways it can be easier doing it chopping vegetables or sweeping leaves. You know, because they, they don't, as far as we know, those things don't have consciousness, you know, and judge us or th have thoughts about us. But when two people look at one another, even looking, going past someone in the street, there can be so much projection, you know, and um, even judgment or clinging, aversion and so on, that something can get distorted in the experience and we're not really there with it. So the more that we can just be, be there settled and grounded in our own experience creates that opportunity where we can just be settled with others without getting caught up in the, the circularity of projection that takes place. Um, to, to end on an end note, <clears throat> sometimes I've said in couple therapy with people, uh, you know, you, you need to be present to one another in order to be intimate. And people look at me as though I've said something wise or something unusual or whatever, but it's not at all. I'm, I'm surprised at their, their surprise. It's just an obvious statement. You, can't, you cannot be intimate with others unless you're actually fully present. <clears throat>